Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. scripture in Luke chapter 7 and verse 47. Today, as Brother Toby said, we're, going to, we're starting a new, always first of the month, we start a new set of lessons, and today we're starting, that as he says, the two debtors. But Luke 7 and verse 47, the Bible says, Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are, may, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven. The same loveth little. If you will, thank you. If you will, you can be seated. Today, God God forgives sins, and today we know God is still in the the sin forgiveness business. He today, you know, in this lesson today, I want to talk about you know today. I feel like in my life, I want to express my love for Jesus because He forgave and forgives, not just forgave in a past tense, but He forgives my sins and sin and. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but today, but that's, today, if, if I, I'm just like a brother Toby says, I'm talking about myself today, that I know what I've done in my life and the sins that I forgive today, and I'm unworthy so many times of my worship, in my, in my worship, of what really God has done for me. Jesus, through his ministry, he taught some of his best lessons, lessons through parables or through stories. The series that we take uh, this, this month, we take a closer look at four of those parables. The first one is today is the two debtors, then the talents is next Sunday, and the prodigal son, and then the rich man and Lazarus. As we look into these stories, we will see the amazing love that, of God and is coupled with his unblemished holiness. We will see things that, you know, we see God, how he loved us, even when we were sinners. You know, today, you know, he loved me when I was not lovable. And today, that's what we're going to see through some of these parables, some of these stories. This is a story of, today, I'm going to tell a story today as as the lesson gave a story, and I just want to share that story today, just like Jesus shared stories. Today, we're going to have a story. The story is about two men named Lloyd. Both of the men was named Lloyd. One of them was an executive, and one of them was a poor, young freshman college student while the Lloyd that was executive worked he was working to better his organization the young younger Lloyd the college student worked to just pass his freshman finals after a couple starter jobs our college student began working at the same business or the same organization as the executive one day Lloyd Shirley his name was called on Lloyd Harry to help him with a computer issue Lloyd Shirley took a liking to the young Lloyd, and the executive called the student into his office for the help with his computer. While they were there, the students happened to see a small laptop sitting on the table. It was practically this pocket size in the late, late 90s. 
It made a MacBook or iPads or some of the people that has iPads today, it made them look like a chalkboard compared to this small, small laptop. Little AJ is a, LJ is the college student remarked, he said, this is the coolest laptop I've ever seen. And the older Lloyd says, would you like it? He said, would I like it? That's like asking someone after a seven-day fast that they wanted a cheeseburger. LJ was loved to have this laptop. He would love to have this laptop. And so he said, but he could not afford a laptop like this. He said, I can't afford that. And he, he said, if I bought one, you know, if I could afford one, I would go buy myself one, but I can't afford that. Being a full-time student, a part-time bank teller, did not bode very well in his financial independence. But suddenly, the elder Lloyd gathered the laptop, the cord, the drives, everything to go with it, and said, you can do some work for me to work it off. LJ was stunned, speechless. He fixed the computer issue that he came for, thanked the beloved Lloyd for his kindness, and went back to his desk. Right there at his desk, he was, had his very own laptop. He was excited. He was, he was ecstatic about, look here, I've got my own very own laptop. But then suddenly the joy that he had just been given quickly overshadowed by the heavy weight and the reality of how little that he made financially and how much this laptop cost. It would take him hours and hours and hours outside of his school, church, homework, and work just to pay for it. But Elder Lloyd Shirley was kind. He never reminded LJ that he even owed it, what he owed for him, owed him for it. And the executive just let the student use it all the way through college. And he did. He typed all of his class notes through his, all the way through his final senior final. And when the beautiful spring day came that dawned when LJ was ready to graduate, right around graduation day, the two Lloyds met up again. And the Lloyd, the college student, now graduated, realized he had never worked one hour to pay for the laptop. That is the day that, that Brother Shirley or Elder Shirley reminded him of the laptop. He said with a smile, remember that laptop that I gave you? And LJ gulped. He's like, oh my Lord. I, he, he, had, he remembered it. But now he was like, LJ thought, it, it, now it's too late to work this thing off. Because just a few days from now, I'm leaving to go home from college and I, and I don't have the time to work this off. I don't have the money to pay for this. But before he could refret any further, Brother Shirley spoke again and said, it's all yours. Lloyd the executive forgave Lloyd the student of his debt. To this day, the two Lloyds are friends. And LJ is still thankful for the, for the kindness in giving him this laptop and to giving him, getting him through college and forgiving him of the debt that he graduated when he graduated. Today, in a world that so many expect things just to be handed to them, in this generation, the college age generation today, they expect things to just be handed to them. Their expectations is, is not to repay it. You know, they think they want to just get everybody owes them something. And that's not just in our younger generation. Today, that, that generation has moved up through the generations. The people that just expect things from the, from just should be given to, given to them with never expectations of pay, repaying it. And so this here, this story of this guy, 
this young guy being respectful and being grateful for what this elder gave him. He put it, he gave him a lesson. And sometimes in life, I feel like, you know, my life, I feel like, and I pray this every day, I pray God allow to me to be like this executive that has a heart to give people something. Because so many times in life, we go through life, you know, we, we go through our busy life and there's people all around us and I know this is not even in our text and it's not even, this is kind of one of them little trails I'm getting off on, but I just feel like God is, God is wanting us to be Christians, to be used to bless the others. Because this lesson that he got taught in this lesson about being, being grateful for what he got and being somebody giving something, breaking off something that he could never repay and giving it to him. It instilled something in this young man's life that he never forgot. And so today I feel like I'll pray that every day of my life. Allow me to be able to bless someone. Well, with what God gives me, allow me to be able to bless someone else that don't have what they need. Once Jesus hung up his carpenter apron, he walked into ministry teaching the world around, around him about the kingdom of God. Jesus chose to teach many of his lessons as stories, and as I already said, as parables. Parables were stories about people or things that most people would understand. You know, in the Bible, we've, we've, most of his disciples, the ones that he really taught every day, most of these men, some of these men, at least some of these men, were fishermen by trade. And some of the rest of the probably had been around fishing most of their life. They had been around that. So, so when he talked about fishing or he talked about in a boats and he talked about facing storms in boats, in his parables... He, he, they understood that. It's because they can relate to that. Sometimes when we open up the Bible, we find things, you know, we go scripture through scripture. Sometimes we can't, as Brother Toby said, he likes to break it off in pieces and put skin on it. And that's what Jesus was doing through these parables. He was actually, when he was telling a parable, it was nothing to do with what he was trying to teach. He was teaching about fishing, and it was maybe something else, a lesson he was trying to teach. But he was doing that by something they understood. And he put it in their language. You know, sometimes we, we hear, I've heard, I love listening to preaching. And sometimes I listen to preachers that from maybe another part of the world or maybe even a missionary preaching or something. And, and some of the times their stories or sometimes their messages don't hit home with me as much as some old country boy preaching. <laughs> because he gets on my language. He gets down there where, I mean, yeah, I get something from the message, but sometimes you connect with someone that, has the same lingo or sometimes use the same words that probably don't really be, it's not really a word, but sometimes words we use, but sometimes they, they apply more to us because, because we understand where they're coming from. I've, you know, I've heard people preaching and I, and I have some preacher, preacher friends that has been in the logging industry before. And, and some of them, some of these ministers, and, and sometimes I get around them and they go talking about, one is Brother Wells from Ocala. He, he loves to talk about, he thanks me every time I come about, about talking about the logging industry with him. And we have that in common. And he loves talking about that. He, thought, he thanked me just this the day of the district conference. He says, thank you for like talking to me about shop or talking to me about business. And I was like, I want to thank you because that's something that I'm interested in. And so we connect with him. And so sometimes in life, you know, that's what most time when we connect with someone, it's through something that's our interest or, or our hobby or something like that. We can, we can connect with them because that's how God designed us. They were, they, were these, they were lenses that Jesus gave to people he taught 
to give them a glimpse of the glory of the kingdom of God. He shared one such parable with a holy man named Simon. As the setting sun tossed along shadows on the street, Simon was burst into through the door. His servants had seen this look before on his face, and they knew it was meant overtime. Right after Simon burst through the door, another man followed him, following by a crowd that who was following this man. And the servants scurried back into the kitchen and dipped out some soup for all of Simon's guests. He was one of the holy men of Israel who kept the law and he, to his fullest extent, is talking about Simon. He was, a, he was curious to, to dot every I and cross every T. He was especially curious about this man named Jesus, which was his, his guest that was following him. He grew, this man grew up in Nazareth, but he had just raised a widow's dead son back to life. Simon had been taught that only God can work those kind of wonders. So Simon wanted to know, how did Jesus do this? Simon wanted to know if everything everyone was saying about Jesus was true. So that's why Simon invited Jesus to his home. Was he really the Messiah or was he just another man trying to be God? While they sipped their soup and talked, there was one more guest came into the room. And when this guest came into the room, she quickly, quietly wound through the crowd and stopped at Jesus' feet. Tears flooded her face. Simon's servants looked at each other. Probably looked at each other like, who's going to be the bouncer? Who's going to be the one who kicks this lady out? She, here she is. Who here she is, you know, entertaining or trying to take the attention away from, from our master or from the person that's in charge? Who's going to be the bouncer to kick this lady out? As she wept, her tears fell on Jesus' feet and washed his feet with her, with her tears. She knelt down. And let her hair down and began to wipe her tears with her hair. She cracked open a beautiful alabaster box that she brought with her and poured out the sweet perfume on Jesus' feet. This worshiping woman kept weeping and pouring perfume on Jesus' feet. The whole time she had not whispered a word. Here she was just worshiping, weeping, and washing Jesus' feet and putting this this alabaster box apart and putting this perfume and on his feet she here she was worshiping God but she hadn't said a word but her worship screamed of her love for Jesus it wasn't what she was saying it was her action forth she was truly worshiping Jesus and she was thankful for what he had done for her no one else in that room really knew what he had done for her but they all knew what she had done They looked at her. They knew she was a notorious sinner. And so sometimes in life, here here, here they were looking at what she had done and not what he had done for her. A holy and even uncomfortable hush fell upon everyone in the crowd. All they heard was the soft weeping of this wicked woman. Simon was appalled. He wanted to stand up and yell, Sinner! And have her cast out. But just as they sat there pulling his righteous robe tightly against his chest. There was no way Jesus could be a prophet. That's what he thought. Else he would know this woman was filthy and unworthy of a woman. She was unworthy to be rubbing, touching his feet. And if if he was really who he said he was. He would know what kind of woman this was. 
and he would cast her away. Simon had began to devise a way to get toss Jesus and the wicked worshiper, worshiper out of his house, holy house. Here he says, she's not worthy in my house, and neither is this guy that's loud saying that he's Jesus. But Jesus knew exactly what Simon was thinking. So Jesus broke the uncomfortable silence and weaved this parable. And he shared this parable. And the parable of the debtors, two debtors, that's today where this parable picks up at. Luke 7 and 40. The Bible says, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him the most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most, he, 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 and he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. A man loaned two people money, 500 pieces of silver and 150 pieces of silver. Unfortunately, when it came time to pay their creditors back, neither of them could pay. The creditors, creditor knew what this meant. So did the debtor. He knew what this meant. They go up knowing that they were helplessness to help themselves, but the creditor freely forgave them both as he canceled their debts. Here's these two men that had been borrowed this money. And when it came time to repay this money, and I know I'm kind of redundant here, but he... he they neither one could pay this money. They knew what this amounted to in that, in that day and time. When you didn't pay your debt, it wasn't just like, it was not just, okay, that's okay, that's fine. If the, the guy that, that, you, that borrowed money from you, he had the authority to have you thrown into prison. He had the authority of whatever in your life. Your life was in his hands. And so here they both, they all knew what this, this, this meant in their life. So when this man says, your debts are free, he canceled their debt. When he said, you're free to go in their life, that, that was a relief to them. And so he asked him, he says, which one of these, you know, and I know I'm backing up in the story, but he says, which one of these do you feel that was loved him more? And sometimes, you know, just like we are, we say the, the person that, had the biggest debt, and he probably did. So he had more, more in life to be thankful for. He had more of a debt that was forgiven. They were free to go. Their debts were forgiven. This was good to be. This this was too good to be true. Then Jesus looked at Simon's dark brown eyes, and he asked him that question. He says, "Which of the debtors do you think that loved me more?" And Simon swallowed hard and answered quick, weakly. I suppose the one whose larger debt was forgiven. And he said, you're right, Simon. Then, then he turned and looked at the weeping woman who was still pouring perfume on his ki and kissing his feet. And Jesus asked, Simon, do you see this woman? Simon, when it came into your house this afternoon, my feet was dusty from walking in the streets. You rushed me past the basin. You rushed me past the towel." into the dining room. He says, you, you motioned me to sit down as you announced who I was. You announced why I was here. But you never once offered to wash my feet. 
Jesus continued. He says, but look at this woman. He said, here you was. You was more concerned about who I was or what I could do for you. You was worried about, more worried about who, look who I got at my house and look who sat at my dinner table. You was worried about how it was making you look more than worshiping, truly worshiping me. He said, look at this woman. She has flooded my feet with tears and dried them with her hair. And Simon, you didn't, need, you didn't greet me with a kiss, but she came in here and she has not stopped kissing my feet since she's been here. You didn't even offer to anoint my head with oil. But she broke a beautiful alabaster box of more beautiful and more expensive perfume. And she poured that perfume all over my feet. What she's saying is, is here, you didn't have no concern about worshiping me. But here she has, here, you didn't even anoint me with a kiss. You just said, come on in. Let me show you everybody who you are. Who I have in my house. But here she is. She has not stopped kissing my feet since she got into the room. The room was silent when Jesus paused for a second. And he says, you're right about one thing though. She is a sinner. Here Jesus says, she is a sinner. You know, and I imagine this lady, this lady, you know, here she's been worshiping Jesus and, you know, and she's so thankful for forgiving her sins. But, that, but when Jesus said to the crowd, you are a sinner. She is a sinner. Jesus calling that probably, she probably felt a little overwhelmed about that. She probably shrugged her shoulders. She knew that she was not worthy to wash his feet. But she hoped Jesus did not know her past or her present. You know, here she was. She, she, you know, she, knew, where she, she knew where she stood in society. Nobody had to tell her that she was not worthy to be there. Nobody told her that she wasn't worthy. Just like someone coming in this house, you don't have to tell someone that they're an alcoholic. You don't have to tell them that they feel like they're not worthy to sit on the pews. They, they feel that anyway. The enemy already puts that in their life, so they know that when they walk through the doors. Just like this lady, she knew what she was. She knew where, what society thought she was. And she knew what society thought about her. But she was hoping that Jesus didn't know their past. But he clearly did. But now, he's, now she probably was thinking, now how is he going to respond to this? Yes, I've been worshiping. I know he forgave my sins. But now he's called me a sinner. Simon was not as wicked. You know, she may have thought, well, Simon's not as wicked as this woman. You know, she hadn't had the sins that he, she had committed. Yes, she, maybe Simon was not as wicked as this woman. But he was not as thankful as her either. Perhaps our testimony is the same as Simon's today. Maybe we have been blessed to be in part of a godly family all of our lives. You know, as some of us here today, we grew up in church. We've been crawling around these pews all my life. But that don't mean I don't have sin in my life. That ain't mean that ain't maybe I walked away from God. But here I'm today, but maybe today, if if your life, you may have been have been blessed to be in a godly family, and and yes, you didn't go down the road that some others here today has. You may be like Simon and thought, you know, you, you're, you've stayed true all your life. 
Perhaps your testimony is that God kept you from some of the scars that somebody else has. You know, in my, and sometimes in our life, you know, I've, in my life, I can tell you, God put me in a, a godly family. And I didn't go down roads because of God's grace. Maybe because it was a praying mother and a grandmother and a family that prayed kept me from going down some roads. But God blessed me that I didn't go down some roads in life. So maybe my testimony today is that I didn't go down that road. God kept me from that. And so today that might be my testimony. That may be somebody else's testimony here today. But if so, we, we should be abundantly thankful because we have been abundantly blessed. Yeah, if God kept me from something, I'm, I'm, thank, I'm grateful for that. I should worship Him more for that. You know, sometimes we look at life and me with the prison ministry and I go into the prisons and I don't have a testimony like some of them other guys do. And sometimes I, the enemy is, I've allowed the enemy to use that against me. He's like, you don't have a testimony. You can't reach these guys because you've never been in prison. You've never been addicted to drugs. You've never done all these things. You, may, you, you don't have the testimony to reach them, that they, the things they go through. But I have a testimony that God kept me from that. God didn't allow me to go down that road. He put things in my life to keep me, in my, in my, my life, keep me from that. And, and so I'm more thankful for that today. That is a testimony today and a testimony in our life. You know, yes, the testimony, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. The testimony of someone that's been forgiven for all that is a, is a testimony. But today, don't allow because you didn't go down that road and don't allow that to be. You still have a testimony. You still have a testimony that God has kept you. Thankful God loves and forgives sinners like Simon and sinners like us. You know, if we can fall and find ourselves like Simon, you know, we maybe maybe he's not listed. He don't have nothing charged against him. <laughs> or maybe nobody know me. Think about that is, and back up just a little bit. Think about that is, is probably that he don't, he don't have sins that's so visible. And that is sometimes where truth. We all are sinners. And I'm going to talk, I'm getting ahead of myself in my notes. We all are sinners. We all have sin in our life or have had sin in our life. But sometimes our, some sins are not as visible as other sins. Sometimes our sins is not as out there for everybody to know about. They're more private. They're more hidden. But that's still their sin. And if God forgives us for them, we need to be, we'll be thankful for that. Thankful we have the opportunity to show God gratitude for his forgiveness through our worship. And that's what we, how we should show him. We should show him our, our, how, how grateful we are for him, for the forgiveness he's done in our life. It should be shown through our worship. Here this lady was, she was worshiping God. She didn't care what anybody else thought about her. She was worshiping God. But what if our story is more like the story of this lady? Perhaps we have a past that we're not proud of, but we cannot erase. Piling up one sin upon another sin until we cannot bear to wake in the morning. Because of the crushing weight of our guilt, we cannot stand up true in the morning times in life. But along came Jesus and forgave us our sins. He forgave all of our sins. If, we have, we, if, our, if her story is our story today, 
we should be abundantly thankful because we too are abundantly blessed. That is why we should follow her lead and fall at Jesus' feet and worship. You know, here she was. Everybody knew her sins. Her sins was visible. But when she fell at Jesus' feet, she was grateful for his forgiveness. Jesus answered Simon's question before Simon had a chance to ask it. He says, that's why she has shown me so much love. She says that, he says, that's why you were worried about just bringing me on in here to the kitchen table. You rushed right on past the, the wash basin and you, you, you ain't worried about giving me a kiss, greet me with a kiss. You just, you just like flushing me right on in. He, the Bible, as, as I said in the story, and I know I put it in my words, but he, he, he kind of ran through the door first and then Jesus came in behind him. And so sometimes, you know, that's how we are in life. You know, we, we run through life and, and if, if Jesus hadn't done something for us lately, <laughs> you know, we, we worried about everything else. Life is busy. We go through things and we forget about what he has done for us. We forget about the worship that he has done for us and, or for what he's sins he's forgave us. But he says, that's why she has shown me so much love is because she is grateful. She has a lot to be grateful for. She's, she's thankful for God forgiving her of sin. Luke 7 and 47 says, Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same. So sometimes it's easy, you know, when God has, has, has brought the, uh, the one that's addicted to drugs and, and, and alcohol, and you've seen that big sin, you know, what we, what we consider a big sin. When we see God has forgave that big sin in someone's life, we say, well, they got a lot to thank, be thankful for. And they do. But Simon, a person who has been forgiven for as little, or as what seeming to be little, will only love a little. So sometimes in our life, just like we do for the other people, when someone has done a lot for us, we're kind of grateful and we want to do something more for them. But we shouldn't be that way. We should be just as grateful for what the small things that God's done in our life as he has done the big thing. He may be not never had to forgive you for being addicted to drugs or for any other things, big things, and what we consider big things in life. But we should be so. Also, we should be thankful for the small things. When we get up in the day, we should be thankful. And I'm not going to put this practical, practical today. We should be thankful for the wrecks that He didn't allow to happen in our life. You know, we get up and we go through town. We are we we get up and go through our daily walk life and. And up and down the roads driving in a car, and we go down the interstate 75 all the way to Ocala or, or to Miami. And we get there and we don't have no, no wreck or no thing. Sometimes in life we don't realize how close our lives come from a wreck. You know, and I've thought about this because from mechanically minded self, you know, just being around working on a Big trucks all my life, around big trucks all my life. Do you know every day when you go down Highway 27 and you pass a semi, you're less than six feet from death? All has to happen is a tie rod in fall off or something happened to the steering of that truck when you ride as your moment when you're past. And you're running 65 miles an hour both in two different directions and you're less than five or six feet from each other. 
from a head-on collision. And sometimes we say, well, we ain't thankful for something. When we pass every truck we pass, we better be thankful. Because I've seen the tie rod end fall off of the truck. And you lose complete loose steering. A perfectly driving truck and all of a sudden you lose complete loose steering and her brakes goes completely out. I've seen that happen. Fortunately, it was where the truck got stopped. But I'm just saying today, that's how close. We're thankful for that every day. When we pass a vehicle, we should be thankful for the small things. The things that we never know anything about. And the act of worship, we should, we should be worshiping God for that. This act of worship is no act for this lady. She, this was true love. Washing Jesus' feet with her tears, drying them with her hair, anointing his feet with precious, expensive perfume, and even kissing his feet were all ways of showing Jesus how much she loved him. You know, sometimes in life, you know, we, when, we, when we worship, we see someone worshiping kind of exuberantly. We see someone like, and, we've, and it's been mentioned here many times, if you've been to the campgrounds, you see this gentleman that's, that's running, an older gentleman running all over the sanctuary. He will start running when the first song starts and most of the time to the last amen of the service. Because God healed him out of a wheelchair. He has a lot to worship for. And so sometimes in life, you know, when we see someone this, this bawling, crying, or, or we, what we think, are they worshiping? And, well, they're going a little out extreme, you know, in our little, our little religious life. You know, we say, well, they're kind of getting out of service. They're getting kind of out of hand. And I'm not saying get, I'm not, I'm not condoning getting out of control in church. But when sometimes you see someone worshiping a little more than what you would feel comfortable worshiping, think about maybe they got a lot to be thankful for. They're worshiping because God has forgave them from a lot. God has done a lot in their life. And so sometimes when we look at someone worshiping exuberantly in, in, in a service, or we see someone weeping from the beginning of the service to the end of the service, maybe that God has done some great things for them. They love Him so much that they'll, they will, they'll wash His feet, dry His feet with their hair, anoint it with this precious, expensive oil. And kiss his feet because they love him. They love him. Jesus said to her, he says, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. It has been years since she probably had felt real peace. But just hearing him say words gave her peace. Her soul that was craving. She had never felt any better. Anybody ever been felt, felt like when God forgave their sins that they... They, they was a, felt cleansed, washed, and but here we, we, you know, she had never felt no better. But old brother Simon here, he probably felt no, no had never felt no worse. Because Simon was Simon saw sinner, Jesus saw forgiven. One could forgive sins, especially hers, no one but God. Romans three and twenty three says it is sufficient as possible. He it says it is sufficient as possible. It says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us, even the best of us today, have sinned. Truth is to be told, all of us still sin. That's not a license to sin. <laughs> I'm not here saying, hey, yeah, we all probably still sin, but that's not a license for us to sin. But it is a sobering reminder that we have no share in self-righteousness. 
We see someone else that's fell to sin. We see someone else that's, that has, has, you know, has, has sinned in their life. Maybe has backslid or has something in their life. We can't be self-righteous about that because that could go I. There could go I. Without the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we are no better than the worst sinner that our minds could think of. We're no better. I walk into the, I walk into the prison today at 5 o'clock and I'm no better than any man in that building without God's grace. All of our sins forge the same hammer that nailed Jesus to the cross. While human consequences of sin may, may be different, only the righteousness of Jesus takes care of the eternal consequences of sin. Some sin seems to be harmless. Like a, like a student says, taking a small pill to take the edge off or, or some shouting a few unkind words in traffic. Surely God does not care about these small things. Our society certainly thinks that they don't. Society even divides crime into two categories, misdemeanors or felons. But what about God? Does God care about the little lie like he does about the first degree murder? Does he see all sin the same? The consequences in the courtroom may be different, but the consequences in our souls and about our souls are not. All have sinned and, and sin separates us from God. All of our sins nailed, all of our sins nailed Jesus to the cross. Not just some people's sin, but all of our sins. Whether we are Simon or we are the worshiping woman before she was a worshiper, we all need to repent. And we all need to get right with God. It is being born again and regenerated by the transforming work of the Spirit that brings us to the covenant with God. That is our only hope for forgiveness. The good news is, is God still forgives. Today, if you have sin in your life, God still forgives. If you have wrecked your life, God still wants to forgive you. And if, he's, if, if He will freely forgive you, He will freely forgive you if you will repent. We do not need to beg God, but God wants to forgive us and free us from the guilt of the sin. That is one of the main reasons that Jesus came from heaven to earth and died on Calvary is to free us from sin. When we realize how much we have been forgiven, it will show in our worship. Today, if you're, today, if you're here, if you've been forgiven of sin and how grateful you are for that forgiveness, it will show in our worship. Sometimes our worship calls for us to jump for joy in a Sunday service. Other times that worship calls for us to bury our face in the carpet at the altar, weeping and realizing just how merciful Jesus is and how sinful we have been. There's been time in my life I've had to fall on the altar because nobody has to tell me that I'm a sinner. Nobody has to tell me when I've come short of God, what God is wanting for my life. That conviction drives me to a carpet. It drives me to worship Him. If we could look, if we could ask the woman in Luke 7, she would tell us that wholeheartedly worship is rarely, rarely very pretty. Sometimes we have to get out of our comfort zone. Sometimes, I don't think it was pretty, her weeping at His feet. 
So sometimes our worship can't be just a little raising of hands. Sometimes we got to get past that. We got to get got get unpretty in our worship. We just got to do it holy to Him. But it is it is worship, and worship is the only right response to Jesus for the forgiveness that He has showed us. He has given us the gift of forgiveness, even the gift of salvation. Does an hour on Sunday singing a few songs and listening to a sermon reflect how what he has done for you today? I ask us that question. Do how we respond in the service reflect what he's done for us today? We will reflect the depth of our gratitude to God for his love through how we worship him. Let us give God wholeheartedly worship. And thanks for what he has done for us. Let us live our lives to love one who gave his life to love us. When we worship a little, perhaps we think we've only been forgiven a little. But when we have been forgiven for much more, we give much more worship to him. Today I ask us today, this this here, may this parable of these two debtors and the stark contrast between the self-righteous Simon and once and the once sinful, now worshiping woman teach us that all of us have sinned and all of us has been forgiven and all of us should live all our lives to love and worship Jesus. Today as we stand across this place, I ask us today, if God has gave us something, if he's forgave us for something, if you may think it's a little thing like Simon or if it may be sinful like this, this, this lady, Today, But it doesn't matter where society or where we think we fit. Our destiny, eternity, our destiny, our destiny in eternity determines if we're, if we're forgiven for sin. And so if, if our sins is considered small or if our sins are considered large, if it keeps you out of heaven... It doesn't matter what the society thinks about that. It doesn't matter if it's a misdemeanor or if it's a felony. If it keeps you from heaven and then God forgives you for that sin, it's worth giving him it all. It's worth giving it all to him. So let us pray right now as we close this part of service today and, and today. Lord, I ask you to touch us and anoint us today. Lord, I allow us, Lord Jesus, to realize, Lord Jesus, our worship, Lord Jesus. Lord, I ask you to lead us and guide us, Lord Jesus, and touch us, Lord. Minister, Lord Jesus, through us, Lord. Forgive our sins today, Lord Jesus. Lord, if there's large or small, Lord Jesus, I ask you, Lord Jesus, for forgiveness. I ask us for repent, Lord Jesus, of these sins, Lord. I ask you to touch us and anoint us, Lord, the remainder part of this service today. Lord, to touch us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806. Or you can visit the contact link here on our website. 
Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.